Well, hello, Hope City Church. How are we doing today? Doing good? Both locations, just want to say hello to Shepherdsville. Uh, watching this right now, today is an enormous day for our Shepherdsville location and for us as a church. Today, uh, Shepherdsville is celebrating their one-year anniversary. And I think, I think sometimes we, it's easy to take for granted, like, because we, we drive and we pass churches all the time. We just see churches everywhere. And we forget sometimes that someone started that church. Someone launched it. At one point, it was brand new. And uh, for those of you, whether here in South Louisville or at Shepherdsville, who have helped from day one or have joined in the process at some point, it is a big deal to make it to one year. And we're believing that the best is ahead, that God is beginning and continuing to do amazing things. So thank you to everybody who has given. Thank you to everybody who has served. Uh, the guys who show up at 6 a.m. to unload trucks, the people who tear down, the, the kids workers, anybody and everybody who has helped make uh, Shepherdsville possible, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are celebrating that uh, today. And so just a shout out to you. Love what God is, uh, is doing there. I can't remember if I introduced myself, but I'm Jason. I'm the pastor here uh, at Hope City, and just excited we get to be together uh, just for a little bit today. Um, as we are continuing this series we're in called Made for Mondays. Made for Mondays. We're in the third part of that series. We're going to get to that in just a second, but before we do, uh, I want to just kind of inform you or let you know of something that's coming up that we're really excited about at the church. We're always trying to let you know what's coming because we want you to be able to prioritize being here. We think being in church makes a difference. How many people, both locations, you would say, being a part of a church has made a difference in my life? Let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah we believe that. And so we want you to be a part of it. And, uh, and so we've got a new series coming up starting in October. We're really excited about called Roommates or Soulmates. Roommates or Soulmates. It is a relationship series. And uh, we've been saying for the last little bit that the two conversations that keep coming up with people when you want to talk to us or talk to some of the pastors or you're looking for guidance in your life, the two conversations that always seem to come up is your job and your marriage, or you want to be married and they won't marry you, or you don't know if you need to stay married, or, 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 or whatever it is, career and marriage. And so this is a relationship series. It's going to be a good time. Andrea is going to be joining me, which is always a highlight. And so um, during the month of October, we're going to be talking about relationships and so we'd love for you to, uh, to be here for that, okay? So we are in this series, third part of this series called Made for Mondays, where we're talking about our jobs, our careers, our bosses, the people we work with. And, and the, the idea behind this series, or what we're hoping to accomplish, is how can we love Jesus more and hate our job less? How can we love Jesus more and hate our job less? You probably, if you are uh, like most people, you probably started the job that you're at filled with enthusiasm. You know, you interviewed or you filled out an application or, you know, they called you back or whatever it is. You prayed for it. You wanted it. You got, were excited about it. You told the people in your life, this is the one I've been looking for. This is the job I can stay at a while. But typically what happens is that over time, the job is maybe not what we thought or the boss is not what we thought or we don't enjoy it as much as we thought or we find out that you know, all the jobs tend to kind of have the same thing in common. People we don't like or bosses we don't like or not enough money or not the right hours. We, we start out, you know, really excited and then we, maybe we lose that, that excitement or, you know, we think something's going to be great and then it's not. It reminds me of a, of a joke I heard the other day about a mom and a, 
a little boy, uh, the mom at night had on one of those like cleansing makeup masks or cleansing masks, you know, that, uh, and, and the boy was kind of scared a little bit and said, you know, mom, what, what is that? What's on your face? And she said, oh, this makes you beautiful. This is, this is something that makes you beautiful. And so a couple minutes later, she was wiping it off and the boy looked at her and said, you're giving up already? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, but we can, you know, just sometimes uh, be excited and then uh, just done with it, quite honestly. And uh, so what we want to do is we just want to spend a little time looking in the Bible. We've been doing this, looking in the Bible to see what God says about our job. Because we know that we've looked at some of these stats that you spend 40% of your life at work. 40%, that's a lot. 40% of your life at work. A third of people surveyed say they hate their job. Hate it. Separately, two-thirds of people say they, they believe that they're in the wrong job or they feel unfulfilled at work. Maybe you would say that. And, and, and so sometimes it's easy to believe that, um, that God doesn't care about your job. He cares about your life at church. He cares about home, but he doesn't really care about your job. He's waiting on you to clock out so that he can finally spend time with you or do something important in your life. But, but that's not true. We know that because God cares about you. God cares about your life, and if 40% of your life is spent at your job, guess what God cares about? Your job, because he cares about you. And the big idea that we've kind of been, been saying throughout these, this series is that while I work my job, God's working on me. That while I'm working my job, God is working on me. That that job that I hate, those people that I hate, that boss that I hate, those hours that I hate, whatever they are, is really a way that God develops and reveals character in our life. That 40% of the place, 40% of our life is spent at a place that we're not crazy enthusiastic about. And God says, man, I can use that to really develop something, uh, really develop something in you. And so the first week we talked about our boss. That was good. We talked about authority in our life, authority issues, and really just said, you know what? According to the Bible, God hired my boss. It's not an accident who I work for. It's not HR, that God places, the Bible says, all authority over us. And that if there's authority in our lives, so what the Bible says in Romans, if there is authority over you, it was placed there by God. So we just said, God hired my boss. How can I honor my boss? We talked about that. Last week, Pastor Megan did an amazing job uh, talking about our attitude. And she said, God gave me my job. God hired my boss. God gave me my job. And it's impossible to be miserable and thankful at the same time. That was a nugget right there. And that... Someone is begging God for the job that you're complaining to God about. Let that sink in a little bit. She was just dropping bombs left and right last week about our attitude, and that was, that was great. And so this week, I want to talk about success. Everybody say success. success. It's a topic we enjoy. It's something we all want. We want to experience success. And when I say success, I do mean that kind of the typical, maybe stereotypical definition of, you know, results and ideas and money. But I also mean success kind of at a deeper level, not just results, but I really want to talk about experiencing results beyond our ability. That not just success that comes from hard work, even though it can, but really want to kind of talk about success that comes from God being blessed, experiencing God's favor on our life, in our career, and in our job. Maybe it looks like influence with people that we couldn't influence on our own. That would be success. 
Maybe it looks like support from your boss that's greater than what you deserve. (laughs) Come on, that would be success. Maybe it looks like making more money than the chart breakdown of your industry says you should make. That would be success. And so to do that, what I want to do is I want to just read a a story. We're going to read a few verses together about a guy in the Old Testament and there's a Bible either in your seat or underneath the seat in front of you. The, the name of the book and the guy is the same name. His name is Nehemiah. And hopefully you got a sermon guide when you came in. If you did, there are page numbers. If you're using one of our Bibles, there's page numbers on the sermon guide. You can grab that, use that. We'll be, we'll be using that in just a second. But I want to talk about Nehemiah and really going to look at a prayer that Nehemiah prayed to God that I think is just a phenomenal prayer that I want us to just copy and paste. I want us to take Nehemiah's prayer and pray it for, for our life. He prayed this prayer to God when he needed success, when he needed influence, and when he needed support from his boss. Maybe you find yourself in that position, needing success, influence, or support from your boss. Now, one of the things I love about Nehemiah's story, it's a great story, but one of the things I love about Nehemiah's story is that he was a regular guy just like you and me. He wasn't a prophet. He, he wasn't a hero. He, he wasn't a disciple. He, he, he was never on a mountain and like God, you know, took his finger and wrote laws into stone tablets. He never split waters. He never did miracles, never did any of that. That Nehemiah was a normal quote-unquote, normal person just like you and me. Nine to five, job, woke up in the morning, got dressed, got his coffee, and got on his chariot or whatever, you know, if he could afford the payments, and he went into his job. His job was actually a wine taster. Now, I just got some of your attention right there. You're like, I, that's, I want that job. I would love that job, but maybe not so much because... The reason that the king had a wine taster is because people would try to kill the king. And so Nehemiah's job was to sip the wine to see if it was poisoned so he would die first. That was the, that was the job. So not the most glamorous job in, in the world. In a way, I guess you could say that Nehemiah was a bartender. He was a bartender. That was Nehemiah's job. But the, the most important part of what Nehemiah did was that Nehemiah was a bartender who loved God. Wow. He was a bartender who loved God. And that's a huge difference than just being a bartender. He was a bartender who loved God. And Nehemiah's story is a reminder to us that who you are is so much more important than what you do. So much more important than what you do. And when we meet people for the first time, we say, oh, what do you do? You know, we ask that question. Uh, we very rarely say, you know, what kind of person are you? you know, we don't really ask that question. That would be a little strange. But who you are is so much more important than what you do. And God is going to show up in Nehemiah's life and, and task him or give him the responsibility for something pretty big. And if we use our standards that we kind of apply to people, we'd say, Nehemiah can't do that. He's just a bartender. He's just a bartender. But what Nehemiah, and what God realized, and what Nehemiah would realize is that you're not where you are by accident. You don't do what you do by accident. You don't work for who you work for by accident. You don't have the influence you have by accident. You don't have the skill set that you have by accident. 
And that no matter what you do, mechanic, stay-at-home mom, nurse, salesperson, whatever it is, if you love God, God's going to use that job to do something pretty amazing. You're not just checking in on people in their hospital rooms. You're not just having meetings with, with, with business owners. You're not just changing diapers. It's not just what you do. It's, it's who you are. You're a stay-at-home mom who loves God. You're a salesperson who loves God. You're an entrepreneur business owner who loves God. And God says, if you will let me use where you are and who you are and what you're doing, I'll use it. I'll use it. And that's what he does uh, for, for Nehemiah. So I want to just read this. It's, it's chapter one, Nehemiah, um, just really one verse. This prayer is such a great prayer, and you'll see what I mean in just a second. But it says this. It says, O Lord, Nehemiah is praying. He says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Now, just to give you a little context, Nehemiah's hometown had been destroyed. Uh, an army had come in years earlier and destroyed it. Uh, you know, the town's just torn down, houses torn down, walls torn down. And Nehemiah hears about it, and he feels in his heart like he should do something, but he knows that he's just a bartender. But he wants to do more than just what his title is or just what his profession is, but he knows in order to be able to attempt to do something like that, it's going to take God. He's going to need God's help. And so he prays this prayer to God because he's got to go to his boss, who just so happens to be the king, who could easily just kill him because he's the king and he'd get away with it. So Nehemiah is dealing with this tension of knowing that I'm meant for more, knowing that God wants to use me for more, but I have a job, I have responsibilities, and I've got to get permission from my boss, and I need God to help me if I'm going to be able to do more than just what I normally do, clocking in, clocking out every day. And so Nehemiah prays this prayer to God, and he, he asks God for three things. That's why I love this prayer. He asks God for three things. He asks God for success. He asks God for favor. And he asks God for kindness from the people around him. These are three things he prays and asks God for. God, give me success. Make the king favorable towards me and put it in his heart to, to, to be kind to me. Now, we're going to keep reading in just a moment, but this is just a phenomenal place to stop and, and, just, and, and just, like, copy and paste. I mean, like, if you've got a phone and you can add a wallpaper or I'll, I'll make sure that our, our communication team posts something on Facebook this afternoon or tomorrow, something you can just, just save to your phone or, or type it in your phone or something to just copy and paste. And I think regardless of anything else I say in, in the next you know, 15 minutes, I think even if we just started every day and every week by saying, God, will you give me success today? Will you put it in my boss's heart to be favorable towards me? And will you help the people that I work with to show kindness to me? I think that could be a life-changing prayer. I really do. I think that could be a career-changing prayer. I think that we would see things begin to change in us and how we feel and where we work and the people around us because we believe prayer works. We believe God hears us when we pray. And sometimes it can feel like we're not allowed to pray about this stuff. I can't ask that God would help me to get that sale. I can't ask that God would help my application, you know, stand out among others. Why not? Why can't you pray that? God cares about you. 
God loves you. He has incredible plans for your life. And so maybe, maybe today all you need is permission, that it's okay for you to ask God to bless you. It's okay for you to ask God to give you success. It's okay to ask God for the promotion. It's okay to ask God to, work, to, to help the relationship between you and your boss or you and your superiors. This is, what, this is what Nehemiah did. I cannot do what I feel like I'm supposed to do on my own, God. I need you to give me success, favor, and kindness. And I think all of us would say, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind experiencing those three things at my job a little more. Nehemiah had an idea. He had a dream. He wants to go for it. But he knew in his heart, there's no way I can pull this off without God. And this is just a great place to pause and ask yourself, do you believe that? Do you believe that you can't do your job without God? And we're in church so that, you know, like you think like oh, I'm just supposed to say yes. But I really want to challenge you to give yourself an honest answer. Oh, you don't understand. I just work, I just work stock inventory at Walmart third shift. I don't need God for that. I just put the stuff on the shelves. I'm at UPS. I've been a nurse 20 years. I know how to do that. I don't need God for that. And so maybe the reason we don't pray to God about what we do is because we don't believe we need God to do what it is we need to do. Wow. Nehemiah said, God, I cannot do this without you. Can't do it without you. I cannot hit my sales goal without you. Don't care how charismatic I am. Don't care how convincing I am. I cannot hit my sales goal without you, God. If you don't give me favor, kindness, and success, I won't do it. Can't sell the houses and meet the goals I want to sell as a realtor unless you help me. Not going to be able to launch that new business, God, unless you help me. My faith is not in myself. It's not in my ability. It's in you. Nehemiah's faith wasn't in himself or his ability. Nehemiah knew that one God moment, one God idea, one God open door could do more than a lifetime of effort on his part. That's the blessing and the favor of God. One God moment. One God open door, one meeting with your boss that's blessed and, 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 and meant by God can do more than a lifetime of effort. One sales call, one opportunity can change your life forever, more than a lifetime of studying and working and serving. It can. But you've got to believe that that is true. You've got to believe that the reason I'm praying to you today, God, about my job is because you in one moment can do more than I can do in a lifetime. So will you open the doors, initiate the conversations, get me the yeses, because I can't do it without you. So, so this is, we'll just call this part one of our sermon today, because I got a part two. But I think part one, it's just important to stop and, and, and to be reminded and to be challenged we need to pray to God about our hopes, our dreams, our jobs, our ideas, praying for success and favor and kindness. And if you don't, if you're not able to apply part two, I hope you can. But man, part one could change your life. Ideas, dreams, jobs. God, I need you. I cannot do it without you. Grant me success. Put it in my boss's heart to be favorable towards me and have the people who work with me show kindness towards me. It could be life-changing. But it doesn't stop there. 
The story continues, and we're just going to move right into the, 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 we end chapter 1, and we're just going to start at verse 1 of chapter 2. So if you still have your Bible, you can grab that. We're going to read six verses of chapter 2 together. So we see Nehemiah's prayer that he prays to God, but it doesn't just stop with Nehemiah asking God to do it. Yes, one God moment, one God open door, one God opportunity, yes. But what we're about to see in these verses that we're reading now is that it's important for us to do what we can do and then trust God to do what only God can do. So our posture is not, well, if God wants me to be successful, I guess he'll work it out. I'll stay home today. If God wants me to be successful, he'll just make it happen. And here's the thing about God. He's so good. He does that sometimes and we don't deserve it. Most of the time when we don't deserve it. But there's something really powerful about doing what we can do and then praying for God to do what only God can do. And you put that little concoction together and something crazy begins to happen. And this is what we see in Nehemiah's story. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I, so Nehemiah's writing this, I was serving the king as wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. This is his hometown that was torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Verse 6, last verse, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Just six verses that we read here about Nehemiah's interaction with his boss. But in these six verses, we see three, they're right in front of us, we see three really important, crucial qualities in Nehemiah's life that maybe made it a little bit easier for the king to be favorable towards him. Maybe a little bit easier for the people to be kind to him. Made it a little bit easier for him to find success. We believe that God opens the doors, God provides the outcomes, but God, I want to do what I can do while I'm waiting on you to do what only you can do. That's what Nehemiah does right here. And so if you are wanting to be successful, wanting to be blessed, wanting to experience favor in your life and in your career, I think not only do we copy Nehemiah's prayer, but we copy Nehemiah's behavior. So if you have your sermon guide, grab that. I'm going to give these to you. Three habits of highly blessed people. I want to be blessed. I want to be successful. I want want my boss to treat me favorably. Let's copy Nehemiah's behavior and let's look at three habits of highly blessed people. Number one, humility. Humility. Write that down. Number one, humility. In the very, very first verse of chapter two, we read it. Look at it. Verse one. This is what it says. It says, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Here it is. I was serving the king. You say, well, no, no, he wasn't really serving. That was his job. That's not what he said. He didn't say, King Artaxerxes reigned, I was employed by the king. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I was assigned to the king. He says, I was serving the king. 
The job that I had been given was what I was doing, and I was serving my authority and serving my boss. I wasn't complaining that I'd been doing this for however long, and this job was too good for me or too bad for me or low for me. I wasn't whining because, you know, Daryl got the promotion, and now I'm the only wine sipper, and I'm better than Daryl, you know, and, and I, I, I showed up. I clocked in. I served the king because that's what I was supposed to do. It's not a great job. I mean, there's worse jobs out there, but there's better jobs too. I put my life on the line in case anybody was trying to kill the king. They were going to kill me, but that's my job. That's the job that God had given me. That's the place that God had put me, and so that's what I did. And is it possible that Sometimes we don't experience the success we want to experience or the favor we want to experience or the kindness we want to experience because we don't work with any humility. We don't have any tenderness to us, any kindness to us. We can't believe our boss would ask us to do that. I mean, it, it, it was about, work was about to be over. Why would he ask me or she ask me to do that? Why would they ask me to come in on my day off? Why would that, like, that's not fair. We, we treat people like they're beneath us. We treat our superiors like we're smarter than they are, but not Nehemiah. Nehemiah is praying for success to God, but then he shows up and he serves with humility in the role that he's in. Humility. Humility. But let me give you, let me give you another one. We're talking about three habits of highly blessed People, number two is maturity. Number one's humility. But number two is maturity. Now, here's what's great about maturity. Nobody thinks they're immature. But everybody thinks everybody else is immature. But nobody thinks they're immature. What does maturity look like in the workplace? Well, it looks like a lot of ways, but I love this verse in Nehemiah. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, honestly. Nehemiah praying for success, praying for favor, praying for kindness, describing his workplace environment and his presence at his job says, I had never before appeared sad in the presence of my boss. That, that, that's, that's pretty big right there. Don't know how long Nehemiah had worked for him, but Nehemiah says, there was never a day that I appeared sad around my boss. That's maturity, because here's what we know about life. Nehemiah surely had some bad days. Surely the coffee was out a couple of mornings before he got to go in. Surely his kid slammed the door and said, I hate you. Surely the car ran out of gas. Surely there was a day that the car had a flat tire. Surely there was a day he thought he was getting a promotion but got passed up. Those things had to have happened. But Nehemiah said, what's happening to me is not affecting how I'm acting at my job. Because there's never been a day where anybody who worked for, with me or I worked for could say I was drama. There was never a day where somebody could say, well, you just know Jason. This is just how they are sometimes. There was never a day where they had to whisper behind my back and say, I can't believe they act like that. Like, they're just so ridiculous. Maturity is the ability to control my emotions. Maturity is the ability to not play the victim card. Maturity is the ability, it's really a credibility 
that people say that there's something different about them. Yeah, they're raising a teenager and life's hectic for them too, but something's different. The way they carry themselves, the way they treat other people, the way he says, I never before appeared sad. So watch what happens. So the king sees that he's down, and because he's never down, the king is eager to help. Because he never calls in sick, the king is saying like, hey man, if you're not feeling good, totally stay home. Because he's never dramatic, the king says, man, what's going on? Is there anything I can help you with? But when you're the opposite of this, it's just eye roll. It's like, oh, well, everybody stay out of their way today. Just drama, just trouble. And I know even as I say this, some of you are like, well, yeah, that's fine, but you don't know who I work with and you don't know what happens at my house. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the maturity to say, you know what? When I walk in, I am God's representative This is the place that he put me, and I am going to carry myself in a positive, optimistic, encouraging way. Your whole life would change if you decided from now on when I go to my job, I'm going to smile and encourage. Your whole life would change. Smile and encourage. We don't know everything about Nehemiah, but we know that when he showed up, no matter what happened to him in his life, He was a positive, optimistic, encouraging, non-dramatic person. So he says, God, give me success. Put it in the king's heart to be favorable to me. Well, God did do that, but he didn't have to work that hard because the king already liked having somebody who worked for him that was drama-free, not immature and childish. Does that make sense to everybody? Let me give you one more. Three qualities of highly best people. We're praying, God, give me success, kindness, favor. But then we're going to do what we can do. Number one, humility. Number two, maturity. Number three, integrity. Integrity. We, we read it right there in verse, verse six. Look what I have right here. The king wants to help because he knows that this is not Nehemiah being drama again. There's really something going on. So the king says with the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and will you return? These are questions of integrity. How much did you spend on the trip on the expense report? How long were you gone for your lunch break? What time did you get in? What time did you leave? These are integrity questions. The king says, I want to help you. Will you tell me how long you're going to be gone? When are you leaving? How much is it going to cost? Right? And look at what it says. It says, after I told him, the king's like, okay. Because we don't know all the details, but we know that the king trusted Nehemiah. If Nehemiah says four months, it's going to take four months. If Nehemiah says $1,000, it's going to be $1,000. If Nehemiah says, I don't see any way we can get it done, we probably can't get it done. If Nehemiah says, I'm sick, I can't come in today, they're really sick. I can trust Nehemiah. And there's nothing that limits God. God can do anything he wants to. But doesn't it make a little more sense that success, favor, and kindness would be that much easier to install at your job if everybody knew that you were humble, mature, and honest? Doors open. Opportunities present themselves. And the culture will tell you, you want to get somewhere? Be a beast. Be egotistical prideful. You want to get somewhere, you take care of you. You want to get somewhere, cut corners. That's not what Nehemiah did. 
Nehemiah went to God and said, God, my career is yours, my job is yours, my future is yours, I can't do it without you. And while I'm waiting on you, I'm going to be humble, mature, and honest. What could happen? What doors could open? What opportunities could present themselves? We prayed for God to do what only God can do. And we showed up and did what we can do. I don't know what you do. I don't know where you work. I don't know how long you've been working there. I don't know if you hate it or if you like it or if you love it. I don't know any of that stuff. Here's what I know. I would say it like this. The best job you can have is a blessed job. Whether it's UPS, whether it's third shift, whether it's cleaning up trash, whatever it is. If it's blessed by God, it's the best job you can have. The best job is a blessed job. So we are asking God, God, will you bless what I'm doing? Will you put favor on my life? Will you put kindness in the heart of the people that I work with? I don't want to just work that job. I want that job to be a blessed job and my life to be a blessed life. Let's pray. God, thank you that you care about our life. You care about our job and you care about our career and what we do. Thank you, God, that you use the jobs that we are frustrated by or angry at to do something in us, character developed, revealed. And God, I just pray for every person listening to my voice right now who would say, you know what, I want success, I want favor, I want kindness. I pray that we would begin to give ourselves permission to ask you for those things. But God, while we're waiting on you to do what only you can do, God, I pray that you would help us to work and live and be who we can be and show up with humility, maturity, and integrity. Our life is yours, our job is yours, our career is yours, our future is yours, God. Will you bless our effort, our office. And God, we just pray for open doors, open opportunities. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.